Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked upon his lowly servant. From this day all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm and has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary remained with Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her home. The Gospel of the Lord. So those of you who are coming to daily mass, the, uh, especially this week, you're getting like this sort of incarnation, uh, scripture, smorgasbord, intensive, I don't know what to call it. You're getting some great readings this week, right? The church in the lectionary is unfolding in these readings. Uh, just um, She's trying to form her sons and daughters just to be ready for this mystery that's gonna, that we're going to be celebrating. So on this Wednesday before the Feast of the Nativity, uh, the church is inviting us to contemplate two women whose hearts were inextricably bound, whose lives were um, mirrors of each other in many ways. So we have Hannah in the Old Testament. We have Mary of Nazareth in the New Testament. Oftentimes in the church's lectionary, the connection between the Old Testament reading and the New Testament reading is, is there, but it's often subtle. Today, though, it is, it's just overtly there on display. The church's uh, ancient tradition of reading the scriptures through this lens called typology, right? This idea that things, people, figures, circumstances of the Old Testament point to, prefigure, foreshadow things that happen in the New Testament, that the New Testament fulfills the old, the old prefigures the new. This is a typology, uh, like 101 lesson here between Hannah and Mary. So Hannah, who is she? She's, she's married to a man named Elkanah, who is uh, kind of a brute of a man. He's, he's very insensitive and She's without child, and she's so upset. She's so desperate to, to bear a son. She's so desperate to be a mother. Uh, Elkanah, you can read in the, the book of 1 Samuel, he, he has this horrible bedside manner. He's, I'm, am I not enough for you, my dear wife? Right? Like, oh, gosh, okay. But Elkanah, he, uh, so Hannah goes to see the, the priest uh, Eli at the temple, and he says, go back to your husband, and you will conceive. And she conceives and bears a son named Samuel. It's so powerful that why did she want to conceive a son? Not simply because she wanted to be a mom and she wanted to raise a boy herself. It, it was for incredibly like selfless reasons. She wanted to have a child so that she could give him to the Lord. 
It's what she's doing in this first reading. She's returning to the temple with Samuel after he's been weaned, and she's giving him into the temple service. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. And the Lord, right, so the Lord blesses her with this baby. Samuel, he's the one who eventually anoints uh, David as king, so he's a very important figure. So she comes to the temple, she gives him to the Lord, and then it's like Hannah's heart cracks open, and we hear this cry of joy come for her from her heart, which is what we heard as the response today. The response was not a psalm, it was the continuation from 1 Samuel. Uh, and you tell me, what does this psalm sound like? Because it, it, it kind of gets... Um, distorted when we break it up with that verse, when we do it uh, stanza by stanza. But if you just listen to it, you tell me what it sounds like. My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in my God. I have swallowed up my enemies. I rejoice in my victory. The bows of the mighty are broken while the tottering gird on strength. The well-fed hire themselves out for bread while the hungry batten on spoil. The barren wife bears seven sons while the mother of many languishes. The Lord casts down to the netherworld. And he raises up again. He makes poor and he makes rich. He humbles, he also exalts. No doubt you can hear, like, the uh, sort of, it's the proto-magnificat, right? What we just heard in the gospel, right? Mary's visitation to Elizabeth. Mary's heart cracks open and she brings out and sings this magnificat. What's the point of this? To To understand Mary... And therefore, to understand the incarnation, to understand Christmas, we have to understand that Mary was entirely Jewish. She's entirely Jewish, thoroughly Jewish. Not only was she soaked in the scriptures of her people, like rocking them back and forth in her heart, contemplating them, but she is, as it were, she is daughter Zion. As you hear throughout the, old, the entire Old Testament, the prophets talking about Israel as this figure, daughter Zion. Like the personification, the bride, Israel is meant to be, was always meant to be the bride of Yahweh, right? The one with whom God enters into covenantal relationship. Mary is the mystical rose. She was formed in the soil of Israel. So she's daughter Zion. She is the perfect full flowering of what Israel was always meant to be. The vocation of Israel was meant to be the human partner to the Lord. Open, longing, receptive, docile to his touch, receptive to his word, all of those things. She is the fulfillment of all the great Jewish women of old. And she must have, as a Jewish girl, she must have had, in order to sing her own Magnificat, she must have had Hannah's words so internalized. I mean, how often she must have sat with this incredible woman thinking about her longing for the Lord, her longing for a son, and the hymn of praise that she sings. Like Israel's vocation was always to be the bride. And in Mary, we see that concretized. We see it personified. In her, we see a glimpse of like, the radical love of our God who was intent on uniting his, his nature to our nature, right? The incarnation, right? Was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. That's what we're about to celebrate. It's the only moment of the creed that we bow our heads at. Nothing compelled the incarnation. Nothing forced God to do this. It was freely chosen out of love, and that's just staggering. You know, as I was praying with this, I was asking the Lord, okay, so what do you want us to do with this? 
And I don't know, <laughs> to be totally honest with you. I, I, the, the sense that I had as I just kept praying with this, like these staggering truths, like we just say them so easily, God became flesh. He was incarnate of the Virgin Mary. Holy smokes, do we even know what we're saying? The image I had was like we're tiptoeing to the very edge of the Grand Canyon. I went to the Grand Canyon for the first time about four years ago. And honest to God, one of my very first thoughts as I approached the ed edge of the Grand Canyon was, my God, this thing is so appropriately named. <laughs> if there's anything that deserves the name Grand, it's this. And I immediately was filled also with such a sense of both awe and, and, a, and a sense of terror and fear, of feeling so small before something so beautiful, so vast, so expansive. I think there's something like that that we're meant to feel as we approach the edge of the mystery of the nativity. We're tiptoeing towards the edge of something so vast, so majestic, so glorious, so unspeakable, so undefinable. I just want to invite us to pray, begging the Spirit for the Spirit's gift of fear of the Lord and awe today. We take these things for just so, such, it's just so routine. There's nothing worse than becoming overly familiar with that which is totally majestic. Let's just beg the Spirit for that uh, gift of awe and fear of the Lord to tremble, right? To tremble with holy joy before so great a mystery is God becoming flesh, uniting himself in the womb of the Virgin Mary. Amen.